Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. It's hard to believe that it's already episode 42. Um, I'm so blessed who I've had on so far. The response has been crazy. Even when I didn't do it for like six weeks, you guys were messaging me on Instagram uh, kind of on a, a daily basis, kind of seeing when the next episode was. We had Marty Guilfoyle on last week um, and the response has been crazy. Uh, Marty was really honest and this week I'm really, really excited. I've been following this guy. We had a little bit of chat off air. Uh, I've been following this guy for a little while. When I got ill, I had my own little strife. Ben's Instagram was kind of one of those things. He puts life in perspective. Um, his story is, is amazing. I'm going to let Ben t- uh, Ben Mudge uh, tell that himself. Uh, so Ben Mudge is uh, Ben Mudge underscore on Instagram. He's an online coach, owner of Be More Clothing, host of the Fit- Fitness Mate or co-host of Fitness Mate Simple Podcast. And now he has his own solo podcast. He is also a fundraiser for Cystic Fibrosis or CF for short. So Ben, thank you so much for coming on to the, the podcast today. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, so, Ben, for anyone who isn't aware of yourself, uh, can you tell us how you kind of got into the fitness realm? Yes. So, I left school at 16. I did my GCSEs and realized that school, like the traditional schooling system, was something I did not enjoy and couldn't thrive in. Um, mainly because if I don't enjoy something, I don't care about it. As simple as that, I, I just will not put any effort into it. Uh, however, the things that I do care about, I will pour myself into. Uh, and I realized that none of the subjects that I could have picked from were things that interested me. So I thought, I'm just dooming myself to failure. Uh, so I left school and decided, right, what am I passionate about? And it was film and TV, like making films and, and maybe acting, but mainly a bit of direction and stuff. So I spent four years doing that. Uh, started working on some jobs in within the film and TV industry. So I got a couple of jobs on smaller films, and then I got a job on a little TV show called Game of Thrones. Small TV show, yeah, just small. Yeah. So <laughs> started working on that the first season of that. Um, it was. I'm always quite reluctant to say it was a good experience. It was an experience. That's kind of the best way of putting it. Um, it was a long, long days per food, um, per, per company, to be honest. Uh, you are not, the people I worked with were not the nicest of people, which kind of really affects your motivation going in. Um, but yeah, and I realized that I couldn't do the things I enjoyed, which was going to the gym at the time. Yeah, I started going to the gym with my friends. I had a little gym in my garage that my dad, sorry, Santa, bought us. Um, <laughs> and I loved, I loved training because I was actually starting to put on muscle tissue and, and starting to feel less weak and frail because throughout my entire childhood, up until late teenage years, I was always very, very underweight with cystic fibrosis. Um, being, It's quite hard for us to put on weight in general um, so I started putting on weight from going to the gym and I was feeling confident which I had never really felt in my life and I could feel it all leaving me because I couldn't train and that really was like affecting me psychologically as well as physically and that led to me then getting sick for the first time uh, with a chest infection which landed me in hospital for two weeks out for five or six days and back in for another two weeks so it was just short of a month uh, getting IV treatment or intravenous antibiotic treatment and it was then I realised that I 
probably should be following a different career path, even though this is what I wanted to do. I needed to do something different. Uh, and I was actually on set before I got hospitalized. I was speaking to a, a warrior, a Dothraki warrior, if anyone who, listens, who watches Game of Thrones knows what that is. But I said to him, like, what, what do you do as a job? How are you here during the day? And he's like, oh, I'm a personal trainer. And most of them were because they're big dudes, you know, personal trainers have flexible working hours. And um, he's like, yeah, you know, I talked, got chatting to him. He's like, you should, you know, if you're not enjoying this, then maybe you should think about becoming a personal trainer. I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what do you do? He's like, do you just watch people train? He's like, because the only experience I had of that was the people who worked in the university gym that I went to and they just sat behind a desk and, you know, messed about on their phones. Um, yeah, and that was kind of the, that was kind of the start of it and I, I got into it and realized how much I enjoyed it. I love training. I love seeing improvements in myself through hard work and consistent work and I knew that I could help other people and, and, and kind of give them even a taste of what I've been getting and then that idea kind of really hit home with me. I was like, if, if I can feel this great, I would love to be able to share that with other people. And that's how it started. That's awesome. I, no, I love that they're able to help other people. I love that little that little side to it as well. Uh, you mentioned cystic fibrosis. Uh, for anyone that's not aware of Ben's story, Ben is a sufferer of cystic fibrosis. Uh, ben, can you kind of go into a little bit more detail of what exactly it is, how it affects you on a daily basis, and how it affects you overall, if you don't mind? Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to stay away from the word suffer. Apologies. No, it's fine. Um, it's, it's what the common term is, but I'm trying to change the vocabulary in terms of my head. Um, I just say I have it. Like I have blue eyes or I have a beard. It's just part of me. Uh, but cystic fibrosis is a genetic illness, so you get it from both your mother and your father, both having the CF gene. And it takes two of those genes to make a full copy, which then I got. So I have an older brother and a younger sister who didn't get the full genes. They've got one of each, so they're both carriers of the CF gene. Uh, and CF is essentially, it's the, it's the production of sodium and mucus in your body. That, that's what it affects mainly. So the mucus within a regular person without cystic fibrosis is much like water in a glass. You swirl it around and it moves very freely. Um, and someone with cystic fibrosis, you replace that water with like a PVA glue or a wallpaper paste. So you can imagine, you know, trying to swirl that around in a glass. It's going to move very, very slowly and, and it's very, very thick. Also, that mucus being that thick is a great breeding place for bugs and bacteria. So if someone with cystic fibrosis gets a chest infection, the bugs that would usually be cleared out in someone else's, you know, someone normal without cystic fibrosis, it would be cleared out of the lungs no problem because the mucus isn't a great place for it to live. That bacteria lives and thrives in that, that thicker bacteria and it ends up damaging the lung tissue permanently. So basically through constant lung infections, uh, a person with cystic fibrosis essentially loses their lung tissue over a steady period of time, which then in the long term can require a lung transplant. That's one of the several ways that CAF affects you. you can, uh, I'm also pancreatic deficient, so my pancreas doesn't produce lipase, which means I can't digest fat without the assistance of digestive enzymes, which have lipase in them. Uh, you can also get CF related diabetes, um, again, due to the pancreas. And to be honest, I think partially to do with the nutritional advice that's been given to people with CF for a long period of time. That's my own personal opinion. Um, and 
It can affect the liver, bone, uh, bone density, because again, malnutrition, bones aren't being um, as, as strengthened as they could be through lack of good nutrition. Uh, clubbing of the fingers, reduce height, which again is maybe why I'm five foot eight. My dad's six foot two. That's what that's what they said. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna be short because you've got CF. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Doesn't have anything to do with the fact that my mom's five foot two. Um, yeah, but it, it affects it affects people in very different ways. Uh, again, because it's just a genetic illness. It you know everyone's genetics are fairly different, so. There's lots of different mutations of it. Uh, the mutation I have is the most common one, and it affects 50% of the CF population, which is a good thing for me because it means that uh, the medical advancements and treatments are going to be focused on my mutation, which is kind of what keeps me going sometimes. Um, but it affects me day to day. I have to take tablets if they're sitting right here. I have to take those with everything I eat, uh, and then I also have to take nebulizers as well, which basically help clear any mucus that's in my chest and keep my airways clear. Um, but in terms of my treatments, I'm fairly, um, I hate using the word lucky, but I'm fortunate in the fact that I don't have to take as much as other people because of how well I've taken care of myself. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people out there who have a lot more to take than me. And what I love about your message, Ben, is you have a thing called Taurus Day, or you did before you cut your hair, uh, yeah, which yeah. I'm going to allude to later on. Uh, the Taurus Day thing is, if you don't know, Ben looks very like Chris Hemsworth. Um, and when Ben had very long hair, he looks like Tor. So Ben gets into a Tor costume. And he has this. He has a CF community and kids that are that have the condition themselves dress up as tour as well. And it's 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 amazing. You recently did a piece on ITV as well. How did that come about? Yeah. Um, which one was that? I'm trying to think. Was that the the one that came out? The recent one. The brick wall one. Yeah. Wasn't behind the brick wall. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done I've done a few of them recently. So I'm trying to remember which one's the most recent one. That um, they reached out to me a couple of months ago, actually. Like I mean, like five or six months ago, and I thought it kind of like a lot of opportunities. They come up, you you kind of respond to it, and then it kind of you know gets pushed under the piles of emails but someone then reached back out to me and said look this has been the person who was running this she had a baby she got put off so I'm just taking over this account and um, we were still keen on doing it and they invited me in and it's basically a sit down chat and it allowed me to get more into the intricacies and the, the depth of, of how cystic fibrosis affects me the questions they asked me were very um, very much in that line where they were they didn't want to just know the basics about it they wanted to know how it affected me personally and, and how it affected you know Ben which was nice because uh, it allowed me to speak about things that not that I don't address often it's just I don't get the chance to address because I'm trying to educate people as much as I can on the kind of basics of CF that you know I try to not make it too personal about me because I want people to CCF is not just me. That I don't. It's funny because I never wanted to be known as just the person with CF. That was my kind of fear. Um, but I realised that I kind of need to embrace that because if that's what helps people learn about the illness, fine. You know, 
hopefully once they get to know me, they realise that I'm not just some CF. I'm you know I'm capable and I'm you know contributed to many more other things. But if that's what helps spread the awareness toward, then I'm fine. But that allowed me to talk more about the mental side of CF and how it affects me mentally. And I'm a big, big advocate of mental health. Uh, luckily, I've never been affected by it. You know, it's only you know massive degree but again I think that's because of how I treat myself and how I think about things and how I rationalise things and I don't think I have the mental health that I have now without my CF so it's kind of funny that a physical illness has helped my mental illness like our mental health so much um, just by the way I can put things into perspective and I genuinely believe that there's always a positive that can be taken out of something there always is it just takes some looking and it's very very difficult in fact it was only it was only about a year ago that I realised that when one of my best friends passed away when I was 18 and he was 17 it was only about a year ago that I kind of realised what the positive of that was and that sounds really dark like oh my friend died like what what potentially could you take out of that but it made me realise at a young age that life is fragile and you need to do things to look after yourself and that's about the, the same time that I decided I was going to change careers like I was just like right I'm going to I'm going to put all my effort into this film stuff, but it may be good to have something in the background. And it, upon deciding that the film industry wasn't for me, it was, I think, without realising, I pushed my health to the, to the forefront. I was like, right, I'm going to leave something that I've studied for four years and I'm just so passionate about to go and do something I have no idea about. And I think Mark's passing kind of taught me that. So that's kind of the, the, the positive that I could take out of that. And I only realised that like a year ago. I, I love that. And that was one of my kind of next questions about it was like any advice for how to deal with a, a, a setback per se. And you mentioned your, your friend there. Um, and like first, like I, I, my, my, I, I spoke to you off air about the illness that I had, but like mine is nowhere near comparison to uh, yourself. Mine was more of one of these random episodes. Um, but it makes it, it kind of puts you into it puts you into a dark place if you allow it to. But then it's up to you to kind of take the light out of it. And the light that I took out of it was to go down the kind of the PT route, get out of kind of a nine to five job. There's nothing wrong with not having a nine to five job. I just knew it wasn't for me. And for so long I was kind of chasing this corporate dream or whatever like that. And I just it just wasn't for me. Um I fell into it like this victim mentality which I've spoken about before on the podcast. Um, so how like how do you yourself how, how do you kind of deal with setbacks to say if you like your immune system may be then a little bit lower than kind of most people um, um, and if you were if you were to get a cold or a flu it might take you a little bit longer to kind of rebound per se how would you kind of deal with that setback and not allow it, let, not allow it to kind of impact you mentally or physically so I'll, I'll use a, the perfect example and then um a bit of a story. So last year, at the start of, I think it was actually the start of this year, my lung functions dropped. I think eighty three percent. My lung functions were steadily climbing up towards the high nineties. Now, to give someone an idea of what the percentage means, uh, someone my age, weight, and height, their lung function, their lung function is predicted to be a hundred percent. So that's what they measure. This uh, sorry, with my age, weight, and height without cystic fibrosis, that's what a hundred percent is gauged at. So mine was around 100%, you know, one or two, three percent off most of the time, and then it dropped all the way to 83, which is it was a significant drop. It was about 10, I think maybe 10 to 14 percent of a drop, which for me as being 
a competitive person and kind of like, I want them to see those keep going up. It, it was, I remember when I blew, I was just like, I didn't feel good. Like I felt quite weak. And again, people with cystic fibrosis who listen to this, my my percentages are all personal to me, so don't compare your numbers to my numbers. It's, it's pointless. You are who you are. Your age, weight, and height are all different to mine. You know, so the percentages don't 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 be concerned about that. But for me, eighty three was low. A lot of people see F eighty three be a very very high percentage, and they'd be very happy with that. But for me, everyone's um, expectations and, and uh, kind of where they would hold themselves accountable to are all very very different. So for me, that was that was bad. Um, but instead of it was so immediate I remember sitting there and the physio left and I was just sitting there by myself and I was like and I, I immediately snapped out of that I just went no you, you are in control of your thoughts you, you have 100% control of them because you can stop them on a dime you can be like nope that's it I'm not thinking about this anymore and I decided to do that I was like right okay first of all I'm not feeling the best so that can get better Secondly, I haven't been doing as much cardio work as I should have been. That's another factor I can control. If I need to take medication, that's another factor I can control. I need to learn more about breathing. I'm going to go and learn about that. And I basically just made a checklist of all the things, that I, all the variables that I can control. Because in my opinion, if you, again, this is kind of going to people who complain or, or have who feel sorry for themselves about certain situations, if you have control over the variables that could get you out of that situation, you, I'm sorry, but you do not deserve to feel sorry for yourself. If someone gets hit by a car, they cannot control that. Yes, fair enough, they can feel sorry for themselves. But if you stepped out in front of the car, no, you don't get you don't get pity because you, that's your fault. You can control things, and you need to be able to take take leadership of that. If crying and sulking in the corner cured my CDF and made me better, then I'd be in that corner right now crying and sulking. But it doesn't it doesn't do anything for anybody especially me. So I thought, right, these are the variables that I can control. I'm going to work at getting better at these. So I'm going to look at my food a little bit more. So I'm going to try and improve my nutrition and try and bring, bring down inflammation within my food. I'm going to go and do a bit more cardio. I'm going to program myself to do the sessions that I don't necessarily like. Um, I'm going to take their advice on what medication I should be taking, which I did. And it was much better. I was much more strict with my, my uh, nebulizer routine. And then the fourth thing was I went and spoke to a guy about how to breathe correctly, which again sounds ridiculous, but most people don't breathe correctly. Most people breathe through their chests instead of their stomachs, which is where you should be breathing through. Um, so I went and learned that, and my lung function went back up to 98%, I think, within three, two or three months. So <laughs> in terms of how you deal with things mentally, you deal with them. You don't let them run away because if you let them run away, they're much, much harder to catch up with. And I think when you just stop and be like, right, this is stopping now. What can I control? And then you just work on the things you can control and that's all you can do. And if you work them hard enough, you should see a difference. And, and that's just the way I think. Now it's very logical. Um, I don't let logic dictates most of the things I think about. So. And was that something you had to work on or was that something that's kind of come to you in the last few years or has it kind of always been in there? I think it's always been in the background in my mind. Um, it was actually, I, I, upon like sitting and thinking about it, I was like, where did I start thinking like this? How did I start thinking so rationally? And what, you know, how did I kind of switch off that self-pity mode that a lot of people get? Um, and it was when I was first hospitalized when I was 18. 
the doctors came in and at this point my lung function dropped to 66 percent so there was a lot i had a chest infection and there was a lot of crap in my chest um breathing was i was wheezing a lot i remember my parents live in a, in a fairly old house since it's, it's quite tall and my, my building my bedroom was the, the first floor, top floor and i would run up that my entire life and i'd hold my breath you know not not consciously i would just bang up the stairs and then get up to the top and I would never be out of breath to the top but then one day I did it and I was like oh this is this is I can't breathe like I can't breathe as clear as I could um so the 66% was a, it was very very noticeable for me and I think I've been in for two weeks on IV or an IVF, not IVF <laughs> IVs and um the doctors came in there's a big group of them there's about seven of them and there's a guy who is the kind of specialist they brought over from canada and two two weeks you're supposed to get out they were like i, I was supposed to be getting out probably that day but i knew it was three o'clock i was like they're not gonna let me out and they were all talking amongst each other pretend like i wasn't even in the flipping room and i just said can someone answer me why what's happening like, what are you treating? How the treatment's not working? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, the, the genuine phrase they used was, we're shooting in the dark here. We, we don't know what we're treating you for. We're just giving you antibiotics and hoping that it works. And I was like, when you're 18 and you're looking at people who are of a massive authority, especially when they're doctors and there's seven of them, and when they say to you, nah, we don't know what we're really doing here, that massively shakes your confidence. And then I said to them, have I damaged lung tissue? Like, am, am I gonna, are my percentages gonna be like this for the rest of my life? Thinking I cannot live, like, you know, knowing what it was to be up here to then drop down so low. And again, 66% is still, is still fairly high in, in, in relation to other people, but for me, it's not. And uh, they said, yeah, that's a real possibility. You could have damaged the lung tissue and this could be you for the rest of your life. But in my head, even if I hadn't had that, even if they hadn't said all oh, we're shooting in the dark, I knew they were wrong. I was like, nah, this isn't right because like, I feel I feel crap right now, and if I can get rid of all this crap that's in my lungs, all this mucus, I can feel better. So therefore, they will improve. Also, other people can increase their lung functions. Normal people, so why can't I? I remember that just thought going over and over and over in my head, being like, if I can, if, they, if someone else can do this, why can't I? There's no reason why I can't. I'm not like an alien. You know, for all intents and purposes, I'm exactly the same as you guys. I just have to take some extra precautions to make sure I am the same as you guys. It's like I have to take my tablets and my nebulizers, but once those are done, I'm just like everyone else. So I think that's when that mentality kind of started to grow. And I started to think, you know what, I, if someone else can do something, I can do something. Like, there's no reason why I can't. It's just if, you know, if, for instance, I always use the example of like a skateboarder. Someone I would love, I used to love skateboarding when I was younger, and there's always people who are better than it than me. And I remember thinking, why are they so much better than me? It's because they practiced more than me. Simple. They just put in more time than me. And I remember just thinking, okay, so anyone you look at, regardless of how talented they are, you know, if you're going to the gym after listening to this episode and you see someone who's bigger and stronger than you, the chances are they've just been training longer than you. And they've just they've got more experience or you know then the, the kind of other aspect of that is they're training more intelligently than you so that, that's something that came into my head that i was like anything that anyone else does in this entire earth if i put the same amount of time into it i could probably achieve a similar result 
and that's just been in my head for years without even realizing it was such a dominant thought until I actually listened to a book that then explained that that's the way a lot of people think. And I was just like, oh, whoa, that's exactly what I think. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my mentality that kind of has helped me a lot. And do you remember the name of that book? It's Tony Robbins. It was, I believe, I listened to two of them like back to back, so I, I can never remember which one it is, but I think it's Awaken the Giant Within. Yeah, that's the one that most people kind of have some sort of like epiphany from or something just... It just goes with. Yeah. Uh, I've, heard, I've had a few people on that like Tony Robbins is. I think he was in London or something this weekend. Anyway, so I've had a, you'd see a few things on social media from it. Um, like if you if you see Ben's physique, it's it's quite scary. Ben is is in, de- is in decent nick, but as you said, he's had to work at it um, and work very hard at it. Like I think I messaged Ben last week or two weeks ago, and he just trained a leg day. And I had a look at the leg day. The, the leg day, I was like, "How are you able to walk after doing that?" But it's 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 your it's your mindset, it's your motivation, and that leads me into the next question of how do you kind of stay motivated? And I think I know that came through on one of your posts recently of how yeah how the hell how do you stay so motivated all the time? And it's 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 a it's a question you get asked a lot. But I, I'd love to put it to you to see how you kind of stay motivated uh, and see if, how people resonate with that. It is it's probably the most asked question I get um, because people seem to look at me like I am always motivated. And I don't know. Again, that's social media. But you, you see what you see what I, t- I tell you to see because I, I decide to put up whatever I want. So you may perceive that I'm motivated all the time because of these no, you think how long it takes to take a photo of yourself yeah. doing something or a video of yourself. It's a, it's a fraction of your life. It's a fraction of your day. It's a fraction of your week. It's not even like you probably blink more than, you know, you spend more time blinking than you do taking that photo. And that's what people see. So people look at me and go, oh my God, he's so motivated all the time. And I'm not like at all. In fact, I'm, I would say the majority of my time, I would say I'm unmotivated the vast majority of the time, I'd say I'm motivated about 10% of my entire life to go and train. But that's, I think that's more common than people think. I think people think that you're supposed to be motivated like all the time. I was like, no, not at all. It's like saying you're going to be happy all the time. Motivation is a mood. It's a, it's a feeling. No feeling lasts for that long. It's impossible. It's just not the way we're, we're built. You think, like, look at Olympic athletes as kind of the top, top guys who you think, oh, they must be so motivated. They probably, in fact, I've spoken to a few of them, they freaking hate their training. They hate it, but they realize that if they want to do something and they want to achieve something, they've got to put in the work when they don't want to. And that's the difference. Like, that's dedication, not motivation. So the real question people should ask me is, why am I so dedicated, not motivated? They should be replacing that, that, that word. Um, and the reason I'm dedicated is because the alternative for me is pretty crap. <laughs> as simple as that. You know, I will lose muscle tissue. I will lose what makes me feel strong both mentally and physically. I will slip into probably a victim mentality because CF is going to get a lot stronger. If I don't stay strong, CF, you know, gets stronger. So it's kind of a, a balancing scale. If I, the stronger and the fitter that I stay, the, the weaker CF stays. So, 
my alternative is just, in my opinion, it's not an alternative because it's not a choice. It's not, I will never ever make that choice willingly. So it's kind of not even a choice. It's just like, I've got one door and that's it. There's no door A, B and C for me. It's just door A. And that is, you know, put in the work that's going to make you live longer and, you know, experience a better life. You know, I don't, longevity of life is something that isn't necessarily a big thing for me. I'm, you know, I'm not concerned about living to 90 or 100. That's not, I don't care. I'd rather, I'd rather live a life than live a long life. So, but if I can extend the quality of that life, it may be shorter than other people's. It may not be. But if I can extend the quality of that, then I'm happy. And that's what keeps me dedicated. Um, and whenever I do get motivated, I use it. I, I, I will, I see it as a finite resource motivation and, and whenever you've got it you need to use it you can't just sit and wait on the bench you know and, and expect that it's going to be there maybe in the next day or in the next hour you need to use it when you've got it i'm i'm in all that i, lo- I like that the, the dedication thing rather than the motivation thing and i had shane finn on who has done 24 marathons in 24 days in ireland and he ran a cycle across america in 36 and i was like like how the hell do you stay so driven and determined he just goes his he he was doing it for his cousin who has an illness as well and he's like well she's suffering for the whole life i can put myself through 24 hours of pain it's nothing to wear and i was just like i i the, the podcast went quiet for like 30 seconds i was just like that's so simple but so powerful um so like it's um like your 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 workouts are fairly intense is there anything you use to kind of push yourself through? Is there a visual aid? Is there a certain music that kind of gets you going? Or is it literally just like a fucking mentality? I just, I'm going to power through this. Pretty much. It's just a mentality. Uh, music, again, music is a massive tool that I use, but you know, it's like if you listen to the same song over and over again, it kind of does. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't feel the same. Uh, the phrase that I use a lot when I'm struggling is, is that it? I just ask myself that simple question. Is, it, is this it? Is this all you've got? And that's generally what will make me do the reps that I don't want to do or the the exercise I don't want to do. I'm like, is this it? Is this, is this really all you've got? Like, is, if it is, cool, then that's fine. We're done. But if it's not, stop being a bitch and get it done. That's, I'm very, again, I'm very literal with myself and I'm very, um, I'm hard on myself, but I need to be, like, that's, that's the thing, like, I know that you need to do things that you don't want to do to get the things you want, and that's, that's as simple as it is, like, uh, yeah, music's helpful, you know, I'll design workouts that I actually want to do as well, which really, really helps, which a lot of people don't even think about, like, for instance, if I, if I, need to train legs but don't want to train legs I'll be like right okay what exercise is the one I enjoy the most that's going to be the most beneficial so I'll be like right I'm going to go do 10 sets of 10 on leg press and I know I can I've tricked myself I trick myself all the time I'll be like I'll do legs and I'll go and do something else I enjoy like a you know, back session or you know, pull session or push session but by the time I've done those 10 sets of 10 on leg press I'm like screw it I'll, go, I'll just train legs now and I did that last week I tricked myself I know myself so well that I can trick myself and I, I just I knew it's funny because there's like two versions of me there's like one that's like this version right now and then there's one that I that wants me to do the best I can and that one is just like he can trick this one 
very, very easily by just programming something that I enjoy and then I'll be like, ah, you know what, screw it, I'll just go. So I ended up doing 10 sets of 10, so German volume training, uh, leg press, and then I ended up doing, I was like, right, I'm just going to stick to 100 reps for everything. And then I ended up putting, uh, it was 100 on the glute bridge, did 100 reps of that, not all longer, which just broke it up into 10s or 15s. In between that, I was doing burpees with this girl who was doing uh, 4,000 something burpees, 4,070 4, burpees for Alzheimer's. So I was in between my sets, I was helping her because she was coming to the end and she needed someone to kind of push her. So I was doing that in between my sets. Um, oftentimes I'd literally finish the burpee and then run very poorly over to her and then do the burpees. And then I did 100 leg extensions, 100 banded hamstring curls, and then 100 walking lunges. And that was it. That was my session. But when I went in there, I was like, I'll just do the German volume leg press and then that'll be it. But the other version of me was just like, you won't, that's not all you'll do. You'll do more. Once you're in that, you'll be fine. And I'm probably going to have to do the same thing today as well. That's, so I trained myself a lot. That's an interesting concept. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go train after you. I'm probably going to re- repeat this little conversation in my ears uh, just to listen back to it and kind of use it. Um, how strict are you are you with your food? I know you mentioned about the struggles of processing the fat of fatty foods and fat and stuff like that. How strict are you with every every other kind of macro, or are you kind of a, a little bit more um, less strict if, you know, if that's the word? I'm, I'm I'm very relaxed with my nutrition. Um, I've been through those phases of being very strict with it when I was in the bodybuilding, and I realised that that way of eating. Whilst it got me the results I wanted physically, it did not get me the results I wanted mentally. Uh, I started developing a really poor uh, relationship with food. <clears throat> and I just didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, and I enjoyed the results that I got physically, but as I said, mentally, just not not good for me. Uh, it works for a lot of people. Personally, not for me. And that's the one thing I will say about nutrition is what works for person A will not work for person B. What works for person B will not work for person C. So you need to you need to try things. Um, people always ask me about diets and stuff. My advice to nearly every single one of them, unless it's ridiculous, is try it and see how you feel. Because it may be the best thing that works for you. It may not work for me, but that's my opinion. Which, whilst people want to know what it is, realistically, it doesn't mean much. Um, it's my you know. So for me, nutrition is very much just keep it simple. Try and get my protein. Like every single meal I have, I, I just look at it and go, right, where's, is there enough protein in this and where is the protein coming from? And that's it. That's kind of my approach. And then I, you know, I don't track my calories. Um, I don't track the other, any of the other macronutrients. Um, I just kind of go by day by day. And if, if I'm feeling like I'm not feeling as energetic, I'll be like, right, okay, I'm probably not eating enough. Or if my performance when I'm playing flag football or when I'm running isn't great, I'll be like, right, I should probably have a bit more carbs and try and fill myself up a bit more. If I'm feeling a bit mentally foggy, I'll be like, right, I need to increase my fat. So it's very much a kind of it's play by play for me in terms of my nutrition. But the main staple and the keystone of everything for me is protein. Like I need to get that protein because if I don't get that, I lose muscle tissue. If I lose muscle tissue, my weight drops down. If my weight drops down, then I can get sick more easily. Blah, 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 blah. So it's kind of that. That's my basic approach to nutrition. Uh, and then obviously the foods I enjoy. But I know that I work hard enough and I'm active enough that that's, I, I can do that. But again, my diet is my diet. That's why I'll never put out my diet because it's, it's, it's 
follow it yeah. because they don't have the same lifestyle style as me. They don't have the same body type as me. They don't have the same height. They haven't got the same lever length. Like all these things come into, you know, into play. And why I say about lever, lever length is because, you know, if you've got a shorter arm, you know, a shorter humerus where your bicep sits, you know, if it's got more muscle tissue, it's going to look, you know, less muscle tissue, it's going to look yeah. like more muscle tissue there than if someone's got, you know, big monkey-like arms. Like me. So that's why, that's why I brought that up, but so many factors and variables that come into the nutrition it's not a cut and dry this is the best food choice or this is the best approach my approach works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for anyone else I love, I love that because uh, you do get an awful lot of feed, like on the Q&As I do on a Wednesday it's probably the most one of the most common questions like what's the best diet to follow X, Y and Z and then yeah. you're kind of some of the things you hear that people are trying out and they're like, they, they work for them for like two weeks. Like you hear some of them like they've cut out sugar completely. You've cut out carbs completely. And then two weeks later, you're having three pizzas. You're having takeaways. You're in the piss with the lads and the girls and you're back to square one. Um, like what would be the best piece of advice you would have for anyone or for a younger self uh, starting out on their fitness journey? Just for someone who's wanting to get fitter, or like a personal trainer, or someone who's looking to get a little bit fit, a little bit fitter. Um, find the stuff you enjoy. Like if that's CrossFit, cool. If it's powerlifting, cool. If it's strongman training, cool. If it's bodybuilding, cool. Find what you enjoy because I always talk about like the kind of optimal and realistic scale. Optimal. Everyone has an optimal. Like it, it, what's best for what you want, but it may suck. You think, again, I relate back to Olympic athletes, their training. Olympic athletes are why training twice a day exists. You know, those people who's like, oh, I'm going to do an AM and a PM session. That's why that exists in common in common practice because Olympic athletes have to do that. But everything in their, everything about them is optimized. Their nutrition is optimized. Their training is optimized. Their sleep, their recovery is optimized. Like everything is optimized to the perfect level, which probably sucks. So you've got that scale of, yes, optimal is like, yeah, you're going to get results, but it's going to be flipping hard. Then you've got the realistic kind of fun approach. It may take a bit longer to get the results, but you're probably going to stick to it. So this is kind of where you want to be. You kind of want to find that like mid zone of you're doing things you don't necessarily enjoy, but you know what the benefits are to doing them. Like rehab movements, they're not fun doing them. Prehab movements, they're not fun doing them, but you need to do them because you know that it's going to pay off. And then you've got the kind of fun stuff, like for me, leg press. That's a fun movement for me. So I'll stick that in. So that kind of, you have to kind of get that balance of what you enjoy, but then you have to also know that the things that you don't want to do are probably the best things for you to do. But if you just strike that balance correctly, um, you're kind of off to a really, really good start. I, I, I love that they, the ones that you don't want to do are probably the best ones for you. It's like me and squats. I have a hate-hate relationship with squats. Um, I absolutely despise the things. Um, you. I don't, I, I don't just just randomly jump in there, but I don't believe people need squats. I I personally I I, I agree with you. Um, I think you can definitely build up enough muscle in your legs. Like if you look at Martin McDonald, who used to compete as a bodybuilder, he hasn't done a squat in eight years, ten years, and his quads are pretty decent size. So you don't need, you definitely don't need them. Um, no. and I think most people take. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I just, I absolutely despise them. Um, 
the, the risk to benefit ratio is way too high. And so many people um, do them wrong. For the, for the vast majority of people. So I rarely would program them into my clients' plans. I've, I think I have two out of all of my clients that do them, but they would have, they have yeah. had to send videos over to me first. Uh, yeah. And I check in the videos every week to make sure they're doing okay. Um, we spoke like you've spoken about. You're very, very honest on your your stories. You're very honest on your Instagram and social media. You've spoken about being quite a self conscious as a teen, um, and that was that was another thing that resonated with myself. And I know other people that be listening to this have potentially had awkward teens and awkward twenties potentially. How did you or how do you deal with kind of being self conscious? Because as you said, social media can portray this image. But that's only the highlight reel. It's not shown. It's not really could be not shown the potential real Ben, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Growing up, I was I was really self conscious. I was always very skinny. Uh, I remember so clearly in the in the rugby change rooms, like developing a system where my shirt was all off for the least amount of time possible. Which again, people now look at me and they're like, "What? That's that's bollocks!" Like. But I'm not, I wasn't always the person I am right now. <laughs> like if I was birthed, people just look at you and take you for who you are this right this second and they, they, it's almost like they don't believe that you've had a past. And my mother didn't birth me looking like this. <laughs> like if she did, she wouldn't be here. But so the idea of people like whenever I said to people, oh, come on, no, you weren't that self-conscious. Yes, I was. I hated taking my clothes off. We went to Australia. Um, my, my family went to Australia for a month and I came back with the worst farmer's tan of your life because I refused to take off t-shirts or base layers, or, you know, like rash vests on the beach because I was so conscious of how skinny I was. And again, everyone goes through that period when they're teenagers and nothing, I'm not unique in this sense but I also then had that CF I had scars that you know no one had and it, it just it sucked and it was leaving again not doing well at school or, or not, not not doing well but not enjoying myself at school and kind of in the schooling system if you're not scoring well on tests you're made to think that you're not as intelligent as the rest of your friends and it's only when you, re- when you leave school, you're like, well, intelligence is tested in many other ways because I know several people who score very, very well in tests and yet have the common sense of a foot in the door. Like, they're just, you put them in situations that require common sense and problem solving and they are terrible. So that was a big confidence knocker as well, which is, again, you know, it has a massive, it has a massive effect on you psychologically which then has an effect on you physically because then you, you know, start to, your posture starts to go over and you can almost pick out, it's funny because posture is one of those things that my, my dad drilled into me from when I was a kid. My dad was in the military and his only understanding of cystic fibrosis, which again, back then was very limited, it's an airway thing. So if I have your posture, I'm standing up nice and tall, airways are going to be clear. Whereas if you slide over right now and try and take a big deep breath in, it's very trapped. <laughs> So I'm nice and tall, it's nice and clear. So he, he drilled that into me from a very young age. But I'm saying that because you can see when someone's not confident, it physically manifests in them because their posture is terrible. Because they're literally trying to hide. They're trying to keep, draw as little attention to them as possible. So it's, it's funny that you know people disconnect the mind and the body so much they think that oh, no, you're fine, like, get over it, mate. You know, grow up a set of balls, that stupid mentality of, or what's it, man up. 
that term. Freaking hate that term. It's such a stupid term. And because people have disconnected, you know, the brain and the body, where it's like there's such clear evidence that they're linked. I mean, they, they literally are. Yeah. And posture shows that. You know, you can look at some, I guarantee if you lined up 10 people, you could pick out the person who's confident or pretending to be confident and the people who are not confident just by their posture. So physically manifesting people. And for me, how I got over this kind of confidence um, issue that I had was after I left school, I, I went to college and I remember sitting there and was like, I can be here for everyone. These people don't know who, know who I am. They don't know, you know, the past 16 years of my life. I can literally be whoever I want right now. So I'm just going to pretend that I'm confident. That's it. I'm just going to pretend it. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm super confident. And then people, when you present a certain way of yourself, people just start to believe that. Like, again, social media is exactly the same. If you present yourself as this flawless individual, people will believe that and they'll disconnect from it, to be honest. But if you show yourself to be a certain way, people will eventually start treating you like that. If you're a victim, people start treating you like a victim. If you're, if you're a badass, people start treating you like a badass. My confidence, people believed my confidence, which was the best lie ever. And then that made me more confident because they believed and treated me like I was confident. So it was kind of this weird knock-on effect. Um, I remember my, my, my nana had this thing in her house. I think it was Dean Martin. It was like, uh, pretend to be the person you want to be until you become that person or something like that. It was that quote. I remember it so clearly. It was in her kitchen. Um, but that always stuck in my head. It was like, pretend to be the person you want to be until you become that person. And I was just like, there you go so that's what I did it's funny it's funny what like little quotes or little references or whatever you take from a book kind of just sticks to your head uh, and yeah. a little little messages whatever it's kind of underlying you you, look, you read a book here like wow that's something uh, that's Stop. gonna yeah it's um, it's very uh, subtle uh, what's the most annoying thing you're kind of seeing in the industry these days there's a lot of BS out there um What's the most annoying thing you're seeing out in the industry, either training or nutrition or whatever it may be? Most annoying. I generally don't. I don't let things annoy me. One thing you would change then? One thing I would change. Um, this idea that people who are in a social media position, you know, like a, who've got a lot of followers are this other type of person that they're like a different species or something. It's kind of like the celebrity um, issue that people look at celebrities like they aren't people. Like everyone's a person as far as I'm aware. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter how, how many followers they have. People like see that and think that they're, they have some other, like they have secrets or they have tricks or that, that, okay, that that's one actually. When people ask you your secrets and tricks <laughs> to getting into yeah. shape, I think that if we could abolish, abolish that terminology, there are no secrets, there are no tricks. The only secrets is if you're taking steroids and lie to people about it and then you tell them about that secret. That's the only secrets you're ever going to get. Um, but there's no, like the amount of times I get messaged by people like, oh, what's your, what's your trick and what's your secret to getting in the best shape, like or, you know, the shape that you're in? I'm like, there isn't any. I'm showing you, I train. I sleep and I eat. That's, that's it. There's nothing sexy about that. So I think trying to demystify the whole how to get results thing, that would be something I would change. I would, I would just try to make everybody as open as they can be. You know, if they're taking steroids, tell people that you're taking steroids. Don't give people this false impression. 
that they can achieve the results you achieved if you're doing something they shouldn't or couldn't be doing. And that's, that's like, I, I, talk, I like talking about this because my reason for never going near steroids, which again, I'm not going to lie, was very, very tempting when I was competing because I saw guys who were just packing on muscle. And I was just like, how am I supposed to compete with this? Like, the only way I can compete with this is if I do this. But I never took them because I knew in my head, I think I talked about this in my stories the other day, there's a good chance that I was going to be speaking to people with cystic fibrosis later down the line and parents and, you know, aunties and grandmas whose kid has CF. And if I said to them, oh, yeah, well, your kid can achieve what I can achieve and I've taken steroids, I'm a liar. Simple as that. And I couldn't live with that. I couldn't live with the fact that I would be telling someone that they could achieve something when they couldn't. Because for me, that's the worst. I hate when people do that. And I was just like, no, nah, that's, that's my decision made for me. I'm never going to touch them because I love the fact that I can speak to people, look at them in the eyes and, and say, look, I am nothing special. Because I'm not. I'm really not. Like, there's nothing special about me. I've not done anything special. I'm just doing what I deem is what I need to do. That doesn't make me special. That just makes me dedicated, which, again, is not anything special. But I can look at them in the eyes and say, like, what I have done, you can do too. Because if I can do it, you can do it. And if I took steroids or anything, you know, anything like that, I would just be removing that from my vocabulary. And my, I couldn't, I couldn't have that, that conversation, honestly. So that, that, the thought of that destroyed me. So I was like, nah, I'm never going to touch it. So to get back to your question, there's probably quite a lot I would change. But again, I don't expose myself to it because if I see something I don't like on social media, I immediately unfollow it. And I think people need to do that if they don't like something that someone's posting click the unfollow button, get rid of them. Because if you aren't exposed to something, you're not going to see it. Simple as that. So if you don't like something on social media, even if it's something I've posted, unfollow me. I don't, you know, it's not going to affect me through my day-to-day -day life. And if anything, I'll enrich yours. So that'll be the unfollow culture. culture. Control, controllables. If it's upsetting you in any way, there's something you need to do about it, and it's simple as pressing two buttons: unfollow, click the name, unfollow. It's that easy. Um, what's coming up next for you, Ben? Uh, are there business-wise or anything really? Moving house. <laughs> moving house is the big thing for me at the moment. Um, my wife and I are moving house next week, uh, uh, so everything's going to go for that. Um, bigger place, getting a, getting a garage set up in the gym, which I'm really excited oh, for. Yes. Okay. That's yeah, cool. that's going to be fun. Uh, but in terms of everything else, um, just working with my clients, I've, I've gotten a few few new clients who have signed up who have cystic fibrosis and some of them are just, all of them are absolutely badasses and speaking with them each week and every day is, is, is awesome, so, you know, helping them um, achieve what they thought they couldn't achieve. Uh, it's, it's a really awesome feeling but other than that I've got big plans for the next six months which uh, for people with cystic fibrosis and people whose lives are affected by CF are going to be it's, it's going to be yeah it's going to be pretty big so I'm excited for that 
Awesome. I wish you the very best of luck with the, the house move. I wish you the very best of luck with everything business-wise. We were talking off air and stuff like that. It sounds exciting what's coming up for Ben. Uh, for anyone who isn't following Ben, uh, head over to Ben's page. Give him, a, give him a look, see if his message resonates with you. Uh, and as always, guys, if you enjoy the episode, please do tag myself and Ben up on your social media. The episode will be available to download up on iTunes, so please do review that as well. And up on Spotify. Thank you so much for coming on, Ben. You've been an absolute star. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it.